1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, Aust here from Homesteady. And before we get started with today's episode... Yeah, I wanted to fill you in on a little bit of news. We decided with the amount of production that we have going on right now between the monthly podcast and the weekly video that we're doing and uh, the Go Homestead course, it was time to bring on a new editor. So the search took a long time. It was about nine months in the work, uh, but finally we brought the new editor, but finally the new editor arrived and he was not happy with the situation here at Homesteady. (laughs) What do you
0: think dear mama. <laughs> look at this baby. Oh so man.
1: Oh, boys I tell you. Yeah, you get the picture. I thought we were doing pretty good. The show's been growing every month. Our numbers look good, uh, but he's not happy with the situation. And so there's a bit of a delay in this month's regular episode of the show. We'll say, you know, because of quality control. The new guy Has a bit of a short man syndrome. He's been throwing his weight all over the place and kind of just holding up production as a whole. I guess until we realize he's
0: born.
1: Don't worry, we're not stopping the show. We have a great episode coming up all about rotational grazing, how to move your livestock around your farm, how it helps the farm itself, the land, and it can really help the whole earth. And we talk about fencing and how to make it all work. But until that episode is approved by our new editor and ready for release, uh, we didn't want to make you wait because we're definitely not going to meet our one month, once a month deadline. So we thought we would release a, a snippet, a little sneak peek of the Go Homestead course. You guys heard us announce this a couple months ago. Uh, we started a completely free Video course over at thisishomesteady.com, and it's designed to help you start homesteading. We want you all to be able to either start or grow your homesteads bit by bit, and we're sharing with you all different topics, uh, video lessons, so that you can really see how things are done, see how you can grow your homestead bit by bit. And this whole course is totally free. When we announced this course a few months ago, Uh, we told you that we were only allowing certain test pilots in and those test pilots went through and tried out a few of our first courses uh, the first lessons in the course and got all the kinks worked out and so now the course is starting to open up to anyone who is willing to fill out a five question survey maybe it's a six question survey i don't remember off the top of my head it's a very short survey very easy to fill out and if you fill out the survey you get access to the course The course isn't done. There's only a couple lessons that are currently live, but we're adding more every month and we've been getting rave reviews from the testers so far. So if you would like to take this course, great. Head on over to thisishomestudy.com. You'll see a big yellow button. Click it and you will put your email and your name into into the form and then you'll get access. Do you want to know what the course is all about? What it's like? Well, today you're gonna get a glimpse. This episode of Homestead is, uh, we're just pulling the audio from the video lesson all about raising chickens. Uh, This lesson will take you from your basic, you know before you get chickens, what you need to know about housing and feeding and care, uh, right down to what kind of breeds you'd wanna look at. It's very intensive, in-depth look at chickens, and it will give you a great idea of what you can expect to come from the Go Homestead course. As we release lessons each each month, we're going to be releasing new lessons. Again, totally free. Just head on over to thisishomestudy.com, click the yellow button, and you will get your access once you fill out the survey. Uh, eventually, this will be a free course that you can take without filling out a survey, uh, but we're still building the course and in, in the production stage, and so we're still asking for active feedback. All right, guys, I don't want to ramble on too much more. Uh, enjoy listening to the go homestead course brought to you by our friends Premier 1, your number one source for all your livestock supplies, uh, whether that's electric fencing, feeders, waterers, you name it, they have it. And our friends at Grow Journey, the seed of the month subscription service where you can get organic seeds sent to your house every month for your garden. Uh, you will hear from you will hear about some Premier 1 products in this lesson. And uh, Grow Journey has a fantastic lesson up all about Organic Gardening 101, which you can have access to immediately if you go and sign up for the course. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this sneak peek. Uh, Stay tuned till the very end of the episode. We have a very big announcement, including a bit more information about our new editor. I know, I know we gotta get numbers up. I'm trying, trying. Got my farm fresh eggs for the day. Got a few more in the chicken tractor I didn't bother to grab yet. Let's talk about raising chickens. So in this lesson, we're gonna teach you all about what it's like to have chickens on your homestead. And that way you can decide whether or not chickens are a good fit for you on your homestead. Now when you're walking through the supermarket and you look at one of those big, fat, plump chickens, this is nothing like the chicken that our forefathers before us had. In fact, if you go back far enough, you'll find the ancestors of the chicken are the red jungle fowl, which can be found roaming the jungles of India and Asia. Although they have a very vibrant color, there's a lot of similarity, and most people, if they saw a picture of one, would think it was just a rooster. These red jungle fowl roam the floor of the jungle, looking for bugs, looking for fruits and berries that they can pick, just like free-range chickens on my farm do today. And at nighttime, these jungle fowl will fly up into the low limbs of the trees and roost for the night. And that's about all the flying that they do, just going up to the roost in the evening. So you can see why it was an appealing animal for humans, however far back ago it was, to capture and domesticate. They were an easy animal to catch because they roosted at night. Nowadays, we have breeds that have been selectively bred for egg production, for meat production, but it's interesting to note the first chickens were most likely domesticated, not for food, but for cockfighting. In fact, it really wasn't until later in the 20th century that chicken became one of the primary sources of meat for families like you and me. The industrialization of farming had already begun to happen for beef, for pork, but chickens were an animal that were really hard to produce in a factory farm setting. Chickens need vitamin D, which they get from being in the sun. And it wasn't until scientists figured out how to fortify the feed with antibiotics and vitamins uh, that they were then able to confine chickens. Once they figured that out, they were able to cram a whole lot of chickens in a small building with no light where they put the hens, the egg layers and wire cages and the meat birds, 20 to 30,000 in a barn with no sunlight and just cram them full of feed, get them big and fat, focus on production. And they can do that because they fortify the feed with those antibiotics and those vitamins. This is one of the reasons that we decided we wanted to raise our own chickens five years ago when we brought chickens onto our homestead. We didn't wanna have chickens that were crammed full of antibiotics, that were crammed full of fortified with different vitamins. We wanted chickens that were outside running, eating grass and eating bugs, that had a nice life, and that provided really healthy protein for our family. And so that was the first animal that we brought onto our own homestead. We went out and we bought six chickens from a farmer that I knew, brought them back to the homestead, and everything else came really from that step into chickens. Chickens are often described as the gateway animal because they're a very easy farm animal to raise, and once you realize how much fun it is to deal with chickens, well, in come the goats, in come the pigs, and who knows what else. And that's what happened with us. Since those first six chickens, we've gone on to raise upwards of 20 birds for egg laying at one time, and as much as 50 meat birds at one time for our own family. And now each year we usually have about 15 laying hens and somewhere around 50 to 100 meat birds that we raise to put into our freezer and also to sell to our local community. Today we're gonna teach you five things about chickens uh, so that you'll be able to decide whether or not they are right for you on your homestead. Today we're gonna teach you five things about chickens, uh, so that you'll be able to decide whether or not they are right for you on your homestead. First, we're gonna talk about what are chickens really good for on the homestead, and it's more than just eggs and meat. We're gonna talk to you about the pros and the cons to raising chickens. There's a lot of pluses, and there's some negatives to having those birds on your farm. We're gonna tell you what kind of equipment and infrastructure you're gonna need to raise chickens on your homestead, and how much work is involved to have these birds. Finally, we'll discuss the breeds that I recommend for the beginning homesteader and what would be good for you to bring on your farm, whether your goals are eggs or meat. So now let's discuss one of life's deeper questions. What are chickens good for anyway? Obviously, the first thing you think of when you think of homestead chickens is the eggs. Farm fresh eggs are unlike anything you can get anywhere, really other than the farmer's market. I guess they're exactly like what you can get at a farmer's market. But, if you raise chickens yourself on your own homestead, you'll get a product that's kind of hard to get at the farmer's market, which is the egg of the day, that freshly laid egg. Like these that I picked this morning. These eggs, farm fresh eggs, that you go out and you harvest each afternoon or each morning from your birds, they have amazing flavor They have a beautiful color, they're easier to work with in the kitchen, and they're more nutrient dense if you raise your birds on grass and you feed them a good quality feed. Some people will argue whether or not farm fresh eggs actually taste better than the store bought eggs. And my advice to you in this would be just try it out. Go to your local farmer's market, find some real free range chickens or chickens that are out on grass, whether they're in a chicken tractor or pastured in a paddock, and try that egg. See what you think of the quality. Do a blind taste test with that egg and a store-bought egg. Okay, so farm fresh eggs are a great reason to raise your own chickens. And you can't beat what you could do on your own homestead, even at the farmer's market, because it'll be fresher. But what about the meat? Grass-fed chicken is delicious. Every year we raise 50 to 100 broilers, which we put in our own freezer and then we sell to our local community, the excess, the surplus. And grass-fed chicken has a great flavor, great consistency. We find our chicken is really, really juicy. Also, you have the health benefits, again, of a grass-fed animal. Higher nutrients, omega-3s. It's a better quality product that you can put on your family's table. Now, there are still some more reasons to bring chickens onto your homestead other than just the eggs and the meat. You have a great pest control. Chickens are really good for pest control. We have noticed, and again, this is in a scientific study, but we have noticed the years that we have chickens free-ranging our property. We find less ticks on ourselves and the kids. Also, you have the manure. Chicken manure is a really great additive to your garden. However, you do have to age it. You can't just throw hot chicken manure on your beds, otherwise you'll kill your plants. Those are great extra benefits to having chickens. Every day when you prepare your dinner or your lunch, no doubt there are food scraps that you either compost or throw in the garbage. You can take that food, put it in a slop bucket, and turn that into farm fresh protein. That's one of the things we love about chickens the most. We're able to turn our waste into another really good quality product. Those are really the main benefits to having chickens on your farm. And of course, it is nice to look around and see chickens running through your yard. There's something really nice about that. It just makes you feel like you're living on a real farm. Those are what chickens are good for. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? about the pros and the cons of having chickens on your homestead. First, let's start with the pros. Other than, of course, what we just talked about, you know, having the meat and having the eggs, there are some reasons why chickens might be a good first animal or the next animal on your homestead. First, chickens are very easy to get. There's a lot of people probably in your own local area who are raising chickens that you could buy from on Craigslist, that you could find online. If you can't, there's hatcheries that you can literally go online, order chicks, and get them in the mail. And once you have your own chickens, you can brood your own eggs and get more and more and more. They're very prolific. So they're an easy animal to come by. They're usually not a lot of money. They're inexpensive to purchase. You know, buying chicks, generally you're spending somewhere between a dollar to two dollars for a chick. Easy animal to get, inexpensive animal to get. Generally speaking, chickens are also pretty easy to care for. You do have to clean out their coop once in a while, and you have to take care of them and feed them and water them. Uh, But as far as animals go, they're really easy to handle for the most part. They're not too difficult to have. They're not a big animal that you would be intimidated by or could get hurt from. Uh, So they're an easy animal to care for versus some other animals that are a lot more, require a lot more work. Should you decide that chickens are not a good fit for you, they're also an easy animal to get rid of. You can just have them butchered and put them in a chicken pot pie, Uh, but you can also put them up on Craigslist and pretty quickly you're gonna find people are gonna show up to buy your chickens. So if you get chickens and you decide, ah, they're not good for me, They're easy to get rid of. Generally, there's a pretty good market for farm fresh eggs no matter where you go. So if you wanna start a little homestead business on the side, maybe start a little farm business, go to a farmer's market, uh, you're probably gonna be able to sell your farm fresh eggs. Probably the biggest pro is raising chickens is a lot of fun. It's really exciting, it's a lot of fun, and it becomes addictive. That's why chickens are the gateway animal. But don't be fooled, there are some cons, there are some negatives to raising chickens. And now we're gonna talk about those. So what are the downsides to having chickens? Well first off, having any kind of livestock brings some downsides to your life. For example, when you wanna go on vacation, you're gonna to need to find somebody to take care of the animals. Now what about the chicken-specific cons, the negative things about chickens themselves? Well first off, you're gonna find chickens have a very high mortality rate when compared to other animals. And of course, they are extremely susceptible to predation. There's all kinds of different animals in the world that like to eat chicken. I think everything likes to eat chicken. So, you're going to need to defend your animals from these predators. I've had a black bear in my pig pen, and all the pigs were unscathed. I've never lost a goat to any predators or a sheep but chickens I've had killed by opossums, by raccoons. I've had chickens that hawks swooped down and killed and pecked away at and then flew off. I've had chickens that have been eaten by foxes and by coyotes. There's snakes out there that'll eat, kill chickens and eat chicken eggs. So, you're going to have to fight off the predators, much more so than you would for pretty much any other livestock, except for other fowl. So this goes for chickens, this goes for guineas and ducks. Any fowl is going to be really susceptible to predators. Let's talk personality. Chickens are not. No, I take that back. Maybe they are kind of personable. Chickens are not going to be your best friend. There are some crazy chicken ladies out there, if you're one of them, you know I'm talking to you, who will tell you that their chickens come to them and who interact with them and talk to them. And if you really treat your chickens like a pet, you can have a better relationship with your birds. They will be more friendly to you and more involved. But for the most part, chickens don't care about you. If I had a heart attack in the chicken coop right now, that chicken would come over and peck my corpse till it was gone. Ooh, things got pretty grim there for a second. Chickens are not that friendly. They're not that personable. They really don't care about you. Whereas, if I had the goats out right now, they'd be coming over and nosing and getting all in the camera. So that's a pro and a con, really. If you just want some farm animals and you don't want a pet, chickens are great. If you're looking for a pet, maybe look for something like a duck. Or just get a dog. I gotta go let that chicken out. He's gonna not stop crowing. Whenever I raise livestock, I like to find a way to make that livestock profitable. I'm running a farm business, but even if I wasn't, I'd still wanna be able to at least save some money by doing it myself. And this is probably one of the biggest cons about raising chickens. Factory farms have really mastered the art of producing cheap eggs and chicken meat. And so because of that, the whole world has become really used to the idea of buying chicken for a dollar or two dollars per pound and buying a dozen eggs for two dollars at the supermarket. And so should you decide to start selling your chicken or selling your farm fresh eggs or even raising it for yourself, you're not gonna be able to save much money and you're not gonna be able to make much money if you turn it into a little business. Chickens are not a great way to save money on your homestead. If your goal is to have better quality, the best quality meat that you can and the best quality eggs that you can at a less expensive price than what you would pay at the farmer's market, well then, yes, chickens can save you a little bit of money. But it all depends on what motivates you and what is your goal. So let's talk about what infrastructure and what equipment you're going to need if you plan on bringing chickens onto your homestead. With any farm animal, you need to consider shelter, food and water, and protecting them from predation and running away, so fencing. So let's talk about what you're gonna use to house your chickens. Most people generally begin with just a simple coop and run setup. So what that is is a permanent chicken house where the chickens go into every night, you close the door, you keep them safe. Generally, it has nest boxes where they'll lay their eggs and a roost where they can go up at night and sit on the roost and feel safe and during the daytime, you open up the coop and there's a fenced in area where the chickens can run around and be outside and get that sunlight that they need and look for bugs. A coop and run system is a very safe system. It's a very reliable system. You're going to lose much less birds to predation and you're gonna be able to have all your birds lay your eggs where they belong. So if you're concerned about predators, a coop and run is a great setup. Also, if you don't have a lot of time every day to kind of manage your birds, and you just want to open the door, go to work, come home and close the door at night, a coop and run is a great setup. You don't have to worry about predators as long as you do proper fencing, and as long as the animals have shade, and a nice safe coop where they can go to hide if there's hawks or something. Generally speaking, you will not have much problems with predators. If you do a coop and run, there's a few things you want to have in your coop and a few things that you wanna have for the run. So to start with, let's talk about the coop. Well, you wanna make sure first that it's the right size for the amount of animals that you have. Generally as a guideline, if your animals have access to a run where they can go outside and run around, then somewhere between two to four square feet per bird in the coop is good. Consider the space requirement for your chickens. Another thing every coop should have is a nest box. So how many nest boxes do you need for your chickens? This is one of the funniest things. This red coop behind me, it's got a bunch of nest boxes. That's the way it comes when you buy the thing. All the chickens lay in one nest box. So if you're designing a smaller coop and you don't have a lot of room for a bunch of nest boxes, that's okay. One, two, three for a good amount of birds. If you're raising 50 birds, yeah, you're gonna need multiple nest boxes. But for a small homestead-sized flock like we have, we have eight hens running around and they all use the same nest box. Every coop needs to have some sort of ventilation. This is especially important in the summer months. You want to have a window that you can open up, a door that you can open up, but especially ventilation that will be safe from predators. So having a window that opens with a screen is perfect because on those hot summer days, in the morning time before you've got out there or in the evening when the birds are roosted, you can still have the ventilation and not worry about the problems. So make sure your coop has ventilation. Finally, you're gonna need a roost for your birds. And again, this figure, how many linear feet per bird per roost? Somewhere around one to two feet per birds, depending on the size of the birds. Inside of your coop, you're gonna need some feeders, you're gonna need some waterers. We'll talk about my favorite kinds later. If you have a coop and run set up, you can leave the water outside, you can leave the feed outside. The coop's just for safety at night. Now, what about your run? One of the most important things to fencing a run safely is to bury the fencing and to make sure the holes in your fencing are very small. You don't need to use chicken wire. Chicken wire is expensive and if you're doing a large size run, you don't need to go that route. Our chickens have a coop and run here, uh, which they have, the whole run is surrounded by this welded wire. It's an inch by three inch spacing. Uh, it's a lot cheaper than doing this whole thing in chicken wire. It will need to be tall fencing because chickens can fly. And you can cut their feathers to prevent them from flying up. Uh, but I like to have you know, a six foot fence around the, around the whole chicken run. So that's your traditional coop and run. One of the negative things to the coop and run, which you'll notice behind me there's no grass, If you want a chicken with the benefits of a grass-fed diet, you're either gonna have to supplement that diet with garden and food scraps, grass clippings is a good way to do that, or you're gonna need to let your chickens out. And there's a few different ways that you can do that. One of those ways is with a chicken tractor. You'll notice that we've shown you the Homesteady Chicken Tractor. Uh, We designed that chicken tractor, and the Homesteady Pioneers have access to the entire video. It's a full hour-long video that shows you step-by-step how to build that chicken tractor. Uh, So if you wanna do a chicken tractor, go ahead and become a Homesteady Pioneer, and you can see the entire full hour series on how to do that. Chicken tractors basically are just a movable coop that allows your chickens to be on fresh grass every day, but confines them so that they're safe from predators, and so that they're safe, they don't get lost, and so that they don't go laying eggs all over the place. The Homesteady Chicken Tractors are perfect design for anywhere from five to eight egg-laying chickens, depending on the size of the breed, uh, and also good for anywhere from 10 to upwards of 15 uh, meat varieties, again, depending on the breed and the size of the bird. The only downside to a chicken tractor is uh, it's a little more work carrying the food and the water out to the tractors each day. So you want to come up with a good mobile setup uh, with your feed and your water close by, so you're not hauling, you know, five-gallon buckets of feed and water all across, you know, miles and miles of property. So it's just some logistical things to consider, but chicken tractors are a very good option. However, they will not work in the wintertime. When there's snow and when it's cold, your chickens need a nice floor with lots of bedding to insulate their feet. So you can't just have a chicken tractor. You could have a chicken tractor all spring, summer, and fall, but as it starts to get cold, you're gonna need a permanent coop. Another good option is using electric poultry netting. If you want to use electric poultry netting for your chickens, uh, you can keep chickens within poultry netting, really electrified poultry netting, really well, you can move a coop around, you can move a chicken tractor around if you have the infrastructure for that, or you could even walk your chickens from the run uh, with the feed, having them follow you for feed each day into electric poultry netting, if you have really, you know, well-trained chickens. <laughs> Poultry netting is a really good option. Chickens are one of the harder animals to successfully fence in with electric netting. Uh, Chickens need a really high power shock, and because they don't come in contact with the ground so often, it's a little more difficult. So you need a really good setup. You can't just wing it. If you're going to do electric poultry netting, I cannot stress to you enough the importance of calling a company and getting the specific setup for your setup. This is not a thing you can use a general rule and get away with. And if you don't fence it properly, your chickens will not fear the fence and it won't work. So if you want to use electric poultry netting, it's a great option, but you need to do it right. And to do it right for your setup, every setup is gonna be different, call Premier One, they will take all the time in the world to walk you through how to set up what you have the right way so that your chickens are successfully kept safe and secure if you want to go the route of movable poultry netting. Now let's say you don't want to worry, you don't want to deal with chicken tractors, you don't want to do poultry netting, you just want to free range your birds. That sounds nice, doesn't it? It's not impossible. You can free range your birds, but to do this successfully, to make sure uh, that we don't lose every chicken that we own, we found a few things really help. So first off you want lots of big shade trees in the area where you're free-ranging your birds. This will cut down on the hawk predation. Another thing that helps is to have lots of paddocks that are fenced that your chickens can move in and out of. So if you have paddocks that are fenced with larger holes in the fencing, maybe goat style fencing or pig style fencing, chickens can run into that quickly whereas predators cannot. And the last tip that we have found over the years really helps with cutting back on predation uh, is to have some farm dogs. Now this one's a tricky one because your farm dog can wind up killing more chickens uh, than predators. So you really want to find a farm dog, a dog that maybe you get as a puppy that you expose to your chickens and that you train to not hurt your chickens. It especially helps at nighttime. Having dogs running around at night while your birds are cooped up, the dogs will keep the predators away. And just having that presence of a dog on your property will keep the a lot of the predators from coming around at all. So having a farm dog that won't kill the chickens himself is a great way to have some free range birds and not lose too many to mortality. How about food? When you bring chickens onto your property, you're gonna need to have chicken feed. You cannot just free-range birds and have them eat grass and bugs and expect to get many eggs or much protein from them. You do need to supplement their feed with chicken feed. And that's just a feed that has minerals and vitamins that the chickens need. I'm not talking about medicated feed, uh, but a good quality chicken feed that is made with chickens' needs in mind is something you're gonna need. Uh, What do we use for our feeders? Most feeders are pretty much the same. Uh, You see those big bell-style feeders. Over the years, I have bought stuff from the big box stores. You know, you're in the store and you think, oh, I need a feeder, I better grab one quickly. And every year, they fall apart and they break and they're just garbage. Really low-quality products. Premier One's plastic is a high-grade plastic. I was setting up a chicken feeder recently and I looked over and my son, my five-year-old, was rolling around in the feeder like, like it was a seesaw, and I yelled at him, I said, get out of there, I don't want you to break it. Sure enough, I go over there and the thing's fine. The feeder that we have over here for our chickens, it has a big rain hat on it. That is an awesome feature. You can lose a lot of money to rainstorms with wet feed, Uh, so having a nice rain hat over your big bell-style feeder is a good option. And fill that thing with good quality chicken feed. If you can afford organic, great. If not, try to find something that's ground up locally, and if nothing else, Make sure your birds are out free ranging so they're getting healthy feed in them. Or make sure they have garden or food scraps that are good quality feed from your own house. In addition to those bell style feeders, we use another style feeder from Premier One. This is a box that we use in our chicken tractors. This box has a spring at the bottom. The feed falls into the spring and the chickens are able to peck at it, the feed then. But this works really great in the chicken tractors because it's a little bit smaller And that spring is underneath the box, so it protects it from rain, it protects it from spoiling. It works really good in our chicken tractors. Now let's talk about waterers. Well, I have a bunch of different kinds here that I wanted to show you. So first, we're gonna talk about the traditional. So first, let's talk about the bell waterer. This is the kind of waterers you see most often at your big box stores. Generally, they screw apart, you fill that bell part there, and then you put the bottom on. These work well in an outdoor setting, so if the chickens have lots of room to walk around and they have a nice run area and they can get the water messy you know, on the ground, these work great. These are really awful inside of a chicken coop or inside of a chicken tractor, or when you're brooding chicks. These bell-style waterers, when they're in confined areas, they get very poopy, wood shavings and wood chips get inside of them, and it's just a bad, bad situation. So, yeah, as you can see, we use the larger bell waterer uh, from Premier One outside in our run. It's a really great, high-quality waterer, easy to clean, easy to put together, and uh, most importantly, it's durable, because. These waterers, you need a high-quality, really durable water because otherwise you're gonna be replacing them every year, and that's a big waste of money. If you're raising chickens in a confined area, like a chicken tractor, or you're brooding them, or if you are watering them inside of a coop, I much prefer a chicken waterer that uses nipples. Now this is just a fact of life. Not all nipples are created equal. Here we have premier ones poultry drinker with nipples it's made of a really high quality durable high quality plastic but this is my favorite feature it comes with replaceable nipples so a chicken a poultry waterer with nipples uh works kind of like those little rabbit waterers if you remember as a kid seeing a you know pet rabbit all that happens is the chicken pushes on that little metal piece and a little bit of water comes from the bucket and seeps down through. Now most chicken nipple waterers that you'll find at the big box stores have the nipples already kind of glued into the bucket. This is a really bad design because if something happens to these nipples, this whole thing is garbage. And in fact, this brand, this that I bought at one of the big box stores came home leaking. It was already broken. It's a cheaply made piece of junk. It has really cheap quality nipples that are just garbage. Don't waste your money. Don't buy cheap nipple waterers. It is a waste of money. Premier 1's, it's very simple to put on the nipple. It comes, you go like this, boom! The nipple is now in. Should anything happen to that nipple in the future? Should it get damaged for some reason? You just pop it off and you can get a new one. Now, this is the other reason I love this model of uh, chicken waterer. Notice on this, the nipples are recessed. Again, I go back to this one, the nipples are not. So what happens when your five-year-old is watering the chickens and the bucket gets too heavy and he drops it down on the ground because he doesn't want to hold it anymore? Well, in this bucket, this waterer, the nipples break and it's now a piece of garbage like it was the day I bought it. This one, the nipples are recessed. So when your five-year-old puts the bucket down on the ground, guess what? Nothing happens to the nipples. They're perfectly fine. Winter time comes, you are gonna have to deal with the issue of freezing water. There's a few different ways to approach this. I've experimented in the past with putting these uh, water, these are, you plug these in and you put that down in the water and that keeps it from freezing. Those do not work great. The nipples still get cold and frozen, and the bell waterers, uh, they work semi, but they do get frozen. Premier One makes a water with a built in heater right into the water, it keeps everything from freezing. So finally, let's talk about fencing. We talked about this a little bit with regards to the run, Uh, but if you are going to fence for chickens, remember, you need your fencing to be six feet high because chickens can fly over anything that's lower. Uh, Something like the welded wire with one by three inch squares is a perfectly fine option. Make sure to bury it a little bit so things can't dig under and get into your coop. And remember, don't put anything close by the sides of the fence because chickens, chickens could fly up onto and then out. You're gonna also need a few things as far as your infrastructure goes. You're gonna need a place that you can store your feed dry, keep it free from rain, free from rodents. Uh, I like to use those movable trash cans. You saw me using it before. Uh, You're also gonna need water near your chickens. Trust me, it's a big drag in the wintertime hauling buckets of water to your chicken coop, especially if it's any kind of distance. So I really suggest installing one of those frost-free hydrants nearby your coops. Have your water year round, and keep everything dry, safe, and clean. How much work are chickens going to add to your life? Well, of course, you need to take care of your animals every day. You need to give them fresh food, fresh water, and check on them. Generally, I like to visit my animals on a minimum twice a day. So make sure you have time in your schedule to do this. Now, it doesn't take very long to feed and water your chickens. I could do all my chicken chores within 10 minutes a day. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, some feed, some water. If I only had one coop and a run, it would take me about five minutes in the morning and the evening. I have lots of chicken tractors and a couple different coops. So for me, it generally takes me somewhere 15 minutes in the morning and 15 in the evening. But a small homestead, Coop and run setup would be, you know, as little as five minutes in the morning and the evening. But you do need to be able to do that every day. And don't forget, you need to make sure you can close your birds in in the evening before it gets too dark. Feeding and watering every day is quite easy. It gets a lot more difficult in the winter. And it really becomes a drudgery if you're trudging through snow and you're breaking up frozen waterers. So make sure you have the right infrastructure because things can get a lot more difficult. And when things get difficult, they are no longer fun, trust me. There's been years I've wanted to stop having chickens when I had the wrong infrastructure. So make sure you have a good setup that's ready for all the kinds of weather that you're going to experience. Now, what about cleaning the pen? You do not have to clean your pen every week. If you use the deep litter system, you really only have to clean your coop out once every six months or so. Now all this is is adding Fresh litter to your existing litter, adding a little bit of lime. You can get agricultural lime at an agway or you know your local big box stores. Uh, sprinkle a little bit of lime in there with some fresh wood shavings, wood chips, and just keep adding fresh stuff throughout the year. It'll get higher and higher and higher, deeper and deeper. And then every six months or so, take that, clean it out. Make sure to wear a dust mask because you don't want to get that in your lungs. Uh, but you can clean that out, throw it in your compost pile, turn it, age it for about a year, and then you can use it in your gardens the following year. What I do every month or so, I will go in and I will add fresh shavings, I'll scoop out anything that's really wet or clumpy. Uh, so as long as you have a good system and you're not overcrowding and you don't have bell bellwaters inside your coop making it really nasty or dripping bad quality nipple waterers, Uh, You should be okay. You should only have to every once every six months or so do a really big cleaning of the coops If you have egg-laying chickens, you're going to need to collect those eggs every day If you don't they're going to get poopy So I recommend putting a little bit of fresh hay each morning collecting the eggs that'll keep the eggs clean If the eggs get dirty you will have to wash the eggs as soon as you wash them. That means they need refrigerated Uh, So that does add to your daily workload a little bit If you have meat chickens, of course, there's the meat processing. You'll either need to have a butcher that does it, don't assume that all butchers will do it. I have a local butcher who does pigs, he does beef, he will not do chickens. So find a butcher first, or you can do it yourself. Every year we've done 50 birds for our own family. It's a lot of work, you need a couple friends and a long day, Uh, but it is something that you can do. And then you can put all your meat birds in the freezer. So that is added work to you if you go that route. Uh, if you use a butcher, make sure you have a good butcher nearby that you trust and uh, find out how close and make sure they do chickens because they don't all do chickens. When you first bring chickens on your farm, probably they're gonna be in the form of chicks. Brooding chicks is a bit more work than caring for your chicks uh, when they're o- their chickens when they're older. Uh, brooding takes a little bit more focus. You wanna check on your birds a few times throughout the day, make sure everything's good. But once you get it down, you can keep it to, again, checking on them twice a day and uh, making sure they have all their needs. So it is a little bit more work when you first start off if you start with chicks. If you can find chickens that are full size, ready to go from someone maybe on Craigslist, uh, that is a nice option to get you started. Let's talk about breeds. So what breeds do I suggest for a beginning homesteader? It depends on what your goals are. If you want to do meat, I really hands down cross the board suggest the Cornish cross. I know there's a lot of people who don't like the Cornish cross. They don't like the fact that it's unnatural. But for those people who think it's unnatural, I would just ask you to consider, is my Labrador retriever unnatural? For years and years and years, he's been bred to do a few different things. Retrieve, wild game, go in water, run through the brush and uh, be an athletic animal that can handle being a hunting dog. He's been bred for that. He's not a GMO, he hasn't, scientists haven't turned him into this creature. They just selected dogs that over time showed the same traits and bred them and bred them and bred them for one purpose. If you don't think that's wrong or unhealthy or unnatural, Well, that's all that a Cornish cross is. A Cornish cross is a bird that has been bred over time, bred different traits that have been crossed to produce an animal that would grow larger for meat. They produce a beautiful carcass. If you're selling the product, people wanna buy chickens that look like a Cornish cross. They don't wanna buy meat chickens that look like a skinny scrawny chicken pot pie old hen. So if you're doing meat, I really suggest go the route of the Cornish cross. They are perfectly fine out on pasture. They love eating grass. They love being in the sun. We raise them in our chicken tractors every year, and we also have let them free range in years past. They are especially susceptible to predators because they're fat and slow, so you want to make sure they're in a very safe area. But they're a great meat bird. You cannot beat them. Cost per per pound of meat, Uh, the quality is wonderful. I really, really like Cornish cross raised on grass. Now, if you just can't do it, if you can't bring yourself to go to a hatchery to buy a breed, you could try finding some larger size mixed breeds. Uh, The New Hampshire's are a large style chicken that are also a really good egg laying chicken. I like New Hampshire's and they make nice chicken pot pie birds. Uh, You can try those Freedom Rangers or those Red Rangers. If you're okay with what the heritage breed carcass looks like for you and your family, that's great. Raise all heritage breeds. On the egg side of things, There's a few different breeds that we like to use on our farm, and again, this depends on your goals. If you're just doing eggs for your family, you just want high production, we like Tetra Tints. They're a really good white egg. Uh, Leghorns also are a nice breed for good quality production, white eggs. On the brown egg side of things, traditionally, we've often used New Hampshire's. Rhode Island Reds are a really good productive breed. Uh, You can go with a sex link chicken. Those are also good production. Uh, Those are all good, basic breeds that you can get from any hatchery. You might even be able to find some locally uh, that you could use on your farm. Good quality eggs, good eating, good production. To our egg layers, we also add Arakanas and Americanas. Uh, Those are what are referred to as the Easter egg chickens. They lay those blue and greenish eggs. If you're selling eggs, it's nice to have eggs that appeal to people's eyes, that look interesting. And those blue and green eggs definitely catch people's eyes. So where do you get those chickens from? Sometimes you can find people on Craigslist who are doing a good job keeping their breeds pure and you know what you're gonna get. Uh, Sometimes people on Craigslist are just getting rid of chickens that they had. So you can go that route. Local farms might sell you. I bought my first six chickens from a farmer up the road who was getting rid of some Rhode Island Reds and some Americanas. Uh, So go look at local farms, see if anybody's selling them. If not, you can go with the hatcheries. Our favorite hatchery to use is Murray McMurray. They do a good quality product. We have very healthy birds from them year after year. We go to their website, we place an order in February, and we have our birds arrive in March, and we brood our birds throughout March and April, and then they begin going outside and getting toughened up to the weather. So it's a great way to get chickens onto your farm if you can't find a good source locally. So we've covered pretty much all the basics raising chickens. There's a lot more questions and a lot more things that we could talk about but this will help you decide whether or not you think chickens are a good fit on your farm and if you think they are it will help you get started. We do have some additional resources for you. Homesteady Pioneers have an assortment of videos all on chicken brooding. There's an extra bonus class in the Pioneer Library. It's a two-hour long class that I taught at a local school about getting started with backyard chickens. Uh, So Pioneers have access to the chicken brooding, how to keep chickens laying eggs through the winter video, that extended two-hour long class I taught. So become a Homesteady Pioneer and you can have access to all that in-depth chicken information. Uh, but if you want a lot more in-depth information, become a Homesteady Pioneer. You'll find at the end of this video a link where you can become one for free for a whole month you can try out being a Pioneer. And you can have access to all those extra videos totally for free for the first month. So thanks for watching this course, guys. I hope it helped you figure out whether or not chickens are right for you. Can you spend 15 minutes a day taking care of animals? Do you like the idea of having farm fresh eggs every day? Do you like the idea of having good quality meat for your family that you raised yourself? If you don't mind taking care of animals and the extra time and that responsibility to make sure that you'll be back every day before dark to close them in, then chickens are a great addition to almost any homestead. If you have any amount of land and it's okay for you to have chickens, you don't have nosy neighbors who are going to go report you to the zoning officials, then by all means, get yourself some chickens. It's a great way to start with livestock on your homestead. We started with just six chickens and now we have an entire farm, farm business, you know the whole story. So get yourself some chickens, try them out, see what you think. And of course, if you have any questions, email me, Austin, this is homestead. Leave your questions in the comments below. Hope you enjoyed this lesson. There's a lot more livestock lessons to look through. We'll see you on the next one. Now, go homestead. I hope you enjoyed that glimpse into the Go Homestead course. The podcast focuses mostly on inspiring, sharing inspirational stories, uh, and encouraging you to get started, Uh, but we also have heard some feedback uh, that some want a little bit more in-depth educational stuff. In fact, we got a pretty uh, negative review on iTunes recently saying that our show has only five minutes of education in the long, hour-long episodes. If you disagree with that, I appreciate it. Go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Tell the world that it is an educational show and that you enjoy it and learn from it. Uh, but that said, we heard the, uh, the message behind that, and we wanted to share more educational information with you. So for those of you who really want to take these steps and make it happen and want to know more facts and how-tos, this Go Homestead course is going to fill that hole, and it's totally free. And You can get it at thisishomestudy.com. Click on the yellow button, and it will lead you there. You will have access as soon as you fill out your survey. So a little bit more news. Uh, just as you heard in the beginning, yes, we have a new member to the Homesteady team. We had little baby boy, and uh, we're completely thrilled about it. And as you can imagine, yes, it will affect production, as uh, new babies usually do. But don't worry, we will still continue to put the show out. We're still shooting for once a month. And uh, we are doing lots on YouTube as well. The video is a little bit easier to get out because my editing doesn't need to be done in the quiet like the podcast does. As it is, I have a three-year-old sitting on my lap right now. you want to say hi? <laughs> okay. Um, so it's a little easier to edit the video and capture the video. So if you're missing your Homesteady fix, head on over to YouTube and uh, check out what we're doing there. We're doing like a Q&A Day by day, we're doing a video. People are asking questions, and we're answering it with the video on the farm. Uh, So that's a lot of fun. And of course, if you're dying for lots more, you can become a pioneer. There is a giant library over there of pioneer-only podcast episodes and long instructional weekly videos being added to the library too. Uh, Now let's talk about that. There's a little change coming to the pioneer program that I am very excited about. And we will have more information on this soon, but I just want to give you a little bit of a heads up. Uh, we did the Q&A a month ago, the live Q&A with our pioneers, and I really enjoyed that. It was awesome to get to talk with some of you pioneers, have you you know asking questions, whether it was through email and chat or live in the show. And we want to do that more. So we're going to make a little bit of a change to the program. Uh, We're going to cut back. We were doing a weekly instructional video, and the library is now really full with tons of great video and tons of great instruction. Uh, So we have a great library. That's not going anywhere. But we're going to cut back on our weekly videos. Uh, We're going to make them a little bit more like a bi-monthly thing. And what we're going to add to the program is a live live Q&A topical Q&A with the Pioneers every month. Uh, so this is going to be a get-together where any Homesteady Pioneer is invited to join us. It's going to be a live feed, like a live podcast where you see the audio feed. It'll be a webinar, so you can sit at your computer, you can watch the video, you can listen in, and most importantly, you can ask questions and share stories. It's going to be like a cool little hangout, and it's not going to be just me talking, we're going to actually start to pull pioneers who have expertise in certain areas, because some of you pioneers have some incredible expertise in areas that I, I don't have any expertise. Uh, and then others of you have a lot of expertise in areas that I do. Uh, so we're going to just get together and talk shop about stuff and answer questions and talk about things we're doing. We really want to form more of a community of people helping each other grow their homesteads, uh, become more and more sustainable. Find ways that all of us are making it happen through, you know, whether we're doing it part-time or full-time, whatever way. And I just thought it'd be really fun to make this Pioneer program a bit more of a community that helps each other grow instead of just a broadcast of what we're doing on our one little homestead. So I am super excited about this. If you think that sounds great, head on over to thisishomesteady.com, become a Pioneer. It's only five bucks a month that covers the seat at the webinar, uh, as well as, helping to make the extra bonus videos that you're getting in the library and all that other stuff. So it's 5 bucks a month. And with that, you will start to get invitations to our new monthly Q&A. And for you who are already pioneers, heads up, I'll be sending you more information about this. We're really excited about it. I can't wait to have this monthly Q&A. And we will be announcing the topic. The first monthly Q&A is going to start in August. Uh, So it's not going to start in July. Uh, My new editor has not approved that. But uh, come August, we will be talking, and I'll be announcing the topic in August. So become a pioneer, enjoy the library, and stay tuned for the announcement as to what we're going to be talking about month one with our live Homesteady Get-Togethers with the Pioneers. Guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this. I know you're missing the show. We're getting comments. Uh, some b- great fans over on Instagram are leaving messages saying, hey, where you been? We missed the show. I hear you, and I know. We are working to get back on track. As soon as uh, things kind of the dust kind of settles here at the Homesteady front, uh, we'll be getting back to our regular schedule. But until then, there's plenty more for you to check out, whether that's on YouTube or back at homesteady.com for free, or become a pioneer, and you will have a giant library to unlock and enjoy. Guys, thanks so much. Um, if you want to see pictures of our new editor, we'll be posting... Go follow us on uh, Instagram we'll be posting a family uh, farm family photo this week we're gonna do a little photo session tomorrow actually and uh, you'll get to see the new addition so we're uh, an Instagram we're homesteady show search homesteady show or the hashtag I am homesteady and you will find us and until next time remember the road is rocky <laughs> to- I, I know I told him I told him I'm working yes. on it oh boys I okay. Spread the show. We need our numbers to go up.